Welcome to the Leadership Experiment. I'm Royce. And I'm Mia. It's the happy hour edition. Grab a cocktail and listen in as we answer some of your latest leadership questions. And you know how it goes. Royce and I will probably disagree on how you should handle it. But hey, it's a two for one perspective. Mia will give you the martini version and I'll share the whiskey. That's whiskey without any straight out of Scotland. Royce, you know they call that scotch, right? <laughs> All right, let's get started. All right, welcome to the Friday happy hour. This is by far, Royce, my favorite uh, time to record, truly, on Fridays at happy hour, at least for central time. I know, you know, for you, it's a little bit of an earlier happy hour. For me, it's a much later happy hour, but all hours on a Friday night are happy. <laughs> and uh, we've got two questions we want to get to today, Royce, and I think our audience will really appreciate these questions that have come in. But first, as we always do for the happy hour, we talk about the most important thing, the most important thing, and that is the cocktail of the hour. <laughs> so I always say what I'm having. I'm going to start with you. Why don't you tell everybody, what do you, what do you have over there? Cause you can't quite see it. What you got? Oh, it's so one of our local, I started off as a craft room. I think it's sold out. It's the Firestone Walker. So it's 805 and they have an 805 Cerveza and it's kind of uh, interesting. So, so giving it a shot here. So think of a craft brew that got, went a little bit more mainstream, okay. taking a spin on, on a Mexican style beer. And that is what I am giving okay. a go at this particular point in time. That might be appropriate considering it's probably a thousand degrees out where you are today or no. It, it, it is pretty warm. Yeah. Although it's, uh, it's got a good flavor. It's a little different th than what you're used to unless you're very much used to drinking like Mexican beers. But I think that's kind of the fun of experimenting with, with different types of uh, beers, alcohols, whatever it is. Because what I've learned more and more is there's a reason that I have favorites and it's very much <laughs> so when you go back. Are you a craft beer guy? Is that kind of your thing? My, my wife and I do a lot of craft beer. She, she's probably the craft person. Oh, okay. If you, uh, if you got serious about that. Yeah, that she, she's the one that likes to experiment. Uh, she's the one that will have the most fun at these like craft beer walks or, or little celebrations and she she's the adventurous tasting that stuff and my son's starting to get into that that as well for me i've just decided give me my scotch from isla and my kachaka and you guys can have whatever you want you know what i it's 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 crazy that you talked about that brazilian um rum right it's the brazilian rum and the caprini yeah, yeah made from sugar cane yeah i Nobody knows about that, Royce. Nobody. As a matter of fact, like the wrapping looks like sugarcane leaves. It's kind of weaved on the outside of that bottle. Caprina is my, one of my favorite, favorite drinks. It's heavy, heavy lime juice. It's a lot of lime, that, that rum, the Brazilian rum and some simple syrup. And they go down so easy, but it's so crazy to hear you talk about that because nobody really knows about that. Yeah. The Sounds national like drink of Brazil. Yes, yes, yes. And those uh, Brazilian steakhouses too, when you go there. All right. So what I'm having down here in New Orleans, this is watermelon season in an, in an area, uh, a parish that's not too far from me. We call them parishes here in Louisiana, not counties, but this is the time to get the 
sugary sweet watermelons and they're delicious oh. and everybody has them. So you puree it a little bit and get a little bit of the pulp in there uh, in a shaker with some vodka and you've got a mwah, wonderful watermelon martini. So oh, that that's sounds fantastic. Perfect for our leadership experiment question. So why don't we get rolling with those? So here's an interesting question, Royce. This is, this is what our listener says. Their predicament. I manage a department that spans three different generations, male and female, different personalities. On a good day, they say, managing a team can be a challenge. It seems like everything has gotten more difficult post-COVID, especially managing people. How can I help my team stay motivated? I'm exhausted. <laughs> so that's the question. That's the story. That's the question within the story. I think we can relate to that. What are your What are your first thoughts when we read that question, Royce? Yeah, so my first thought is to really kind of lean into what our listener asking about people changing during COVID. So. I happen to be a hockey fan. I think I might have talked about it. And and the other night, Wednesday night, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning repeated and the fun buzzwords for the press, you know, lightning does strike twice, blah, blah, blah. And there's a player on the team, Makita Kucherov. And when I think about sports interviews, you know, when you think about athletes giving post-game interviews or pre-game or, or in the halftime, you know, you, it, it's a little formulaic and, and it's very safe and they say the right things like they've been very well rehearsed. And there's, there's a point to this because so Zarkov, when he did his post-game interview in front of a step and repeat, has a Bud Light okay. instead of water. He <laughs> is shirtless. Uh, he has his hat turn backwards and let's just say that there it, it was a very colorful conversation uh, one of my favorite moments was in the water you know when when you see people on tv under camera and they're 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 under pressure or their mouth gets dry you know you do a lot of presentations your mouth gets dry they drink a little water yeah well he happens to finish his bud light not beer his bud light and they look like uh, off screen, they try to hand him a bottle of champagne. And he says, is that Bud Light? That's not champagne. Oh my God. <laughs> and okay. Then he progresses to two pound again. And all I could think was, where, where are his managers? Where are the handlers? And this is not a post game interview that I would see, you know, because they asked him, what do you think of uh, this other goalie winning the Vezina trophy, the, the best goaltender in the league, essentially? Then he says it is uh, censored. That's BS with him uncensored. He says our goalie's number one. And, and, and you know, again, think of any sports interview you've done pre-COVID or that you've watched pre-COVID. That's not the stuff you say. You know, right. now you've got a you know player out there. So so first off, it's pretty humorous. So if anybody wants to watch it, just be warned. But Nikita Stanley Cup post game post game interview it's definitely definitely worth the watch but, his contract but his contract must have been up huh yeah there yeah i don't know what the what that story is but but i do know that that is 100 evident that our world has changed and behaviors have absolutely changed oh. and managing people has absolutely changed if you can't i mean this is stuff traditionally that you have a very tight rate on 
the 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 handlers, the comms managers, the agents, they they have this stuff pretty well locked down. And now that this is, you know, on on YouTube, on national media, and everywhere else, it, it the, the world has changed, and managing people has changed. So absolutely off the cuff, you have to accept that. And I think that's what we all struggle with so much because we want things to be the same. We want people to play by the same rules and mm -hmm. we want people to engage in the same way. You know, I'll give you just a thought starter, but even language that is not typically been acceptable in a boardroom meeting or in a meeting in the office I'd ask you to consider, has that changed? Are you seeing other types of language? And I will say in my organization, it has not. So, so for the record, I am going to break our, our rule there and say on the record that it has not changed. But I've heard many, many stories uh, where, where that has started to break down, you know, where, where meetings are a little bit more colorful language used that, that might have been appropriate for the office. Same, same as probably what you're seeing with clothing. Things that you and I would have scoffed at and still refuse to wear today are routine on video conference calls. You know, so, so the world has absolutely changed. And the biggest thing, the reason our listener is exhausted is because they're still trying to play by the old rules. And they're still trying to manage to the old rules. And trying to keep it together while the world is changing, that is the surest way to get exhausted. You know, I, in reading this, I have, a, I have a few questions. I do have something to say about that comment at the end, I'm exhausted. Now, we're not going to say if this is a he or a she, but just for the sake of referring to the person, I'll refer to this person as a she. But when, when she says, I'm exhausted, I want to talk about that. But I'm wondering, why does she say, there's got to be something to this, when she says, there are th I'm managing three different generations, male and female, different personalities. I wonder, she has something that's, that's prompting her to say that, other than the fact that they're all, you know, clearly different people. So that tells me that she's already assigning that one of these attributes are the reason for being not motivated or being exhausted and the, the, the challenges of managing a team. Uh, sure, men and women can be different personalities, absolutely different. I mean, there's what, 16 different on the, is it Myers-Briggs? I'm not oh, sure. Yeah, Myers-Briggs. You know, I took another one recently that's kind of fun, Clifton Strengths or Clifton 34. Yes, I took it too. Okay, that's so cool. See, we're gonna have to talk about that on another show. We'll have to compare. Yeah. Our, we'll have to compare our Clifton strengths, Royce. But but can I just make a footnote on that one too? Because yeah, I like all of those assessments, but probably not for the reason that you think. Um, I like it because it usually already tells me what I know about myself. But but what I like about it, and the reason I think any of the tools are fantastic, is the real value of the tool is that it creates a common language for you, for your organization. So if you're Myers-Briggs and I'm Clifton uh, Strengths and we try to communicate, we're going to grind on each other and we're going to disagree and we're going to feel like we're different generations or different species. But if we take the same assessment, then the language is common. That's and true. then That's we true. can start to build a plan or, or we can at least relate to each other better. But you see how I tied that back into our, uh, into our question? Was that subtle? Until I, I said it. 
you came, <laughs> you went around the block that, no, I got you. I got you. No, totally <laughs> though. Totally. So, you know, you've got Myers-Briggs, you've got Emergenetics, you've got Disc Assessments, Clifton Strengths. I love all of those too. I love all those. It's always interesting to see how you change over time, but also there's something to be said about, I know some of them are a little corny, but if you, if you really look at some of the, the tried and tested frameworks, you can learn about other people and how they show up in teams and how you can work with them and how you should show up with them. So I think that there's quite a bit of value there. But at the, again, going back to different generations, male, female, different personalities. Yes, that's what makes the world go round. Everybody is different. So that's not special. That's not special to this person. How often do we manage a team that is homogenous? How often do we manage a team that's all you know, 30 year old females that it just doesn't happen. Okay. So my point in saying that is that's common for all of us to manage different people. And aside from COVID, we have to learn how to manage two certain personalities, what drives people. But at the end of the day, aside from that, if she's saying it's, it, it's, it seems like everything's gotten more difficult post COVID. How can I get my team to stay motivated? Ask them ask them. We spend a lot of time as leaders, and maybe this is the leadership experiment, right? We like to read a bunch of stuff, read a bunch of studies, get a bunch of percentages from reports and scholarly papers, and then visit that on our teams. But why don't we just ask people? I mean, listen, there's value in the studies. Yeah. Voice. I, know you, I know you're laughing at me. But I am laughing at you because I don't read any of those things. And all I can remember is back to Henry Ford. Now for the listeners, this is a disagreement point. And, and we all heard this in business school. Henry Ford at, said that if he asked his customers what they wanted, they would have all told them a faster horse. Okay, I know you are so right. So we're not talking about innovation, but I see your point. I see your point. But there's value in the studies and, and, and all of that. I get that. But instead of trying to figure it out from a distance, Go to your people, sit down, grab a cup of coffee, hop on a video call if you're still doing that, and just say, you know, Royce, I am really trying to make sure that my team is happy at work and fulfilled, and that I'm paying attention to what's important to you. Can you help me understand for you what motivates you as a person? What's important to you? Because what motivates different people are different things. What might motivate someone, you know, maybe it's money, but maybe it's opportunity for someone else. Maybe it's a flexible schedule. Maybe, you know, they just really want to be left alone and, and doing their work and us constantly checking up on them. They see that as being an intrusion, but we see it as support. Just ask. That I 100% agree with. Just yeah. ask people. Wow. But, and if you go back to using the assessments or, or asking is part of it, but I think it's a little bit more than asking. And it's, I think I've talked to our, our listeners here about Sun Tzu, ancient Chinese general. One of his quotes here, which is applicable, I believe, is he says, know thyself and know thy enemy. And in any uh, every situation, you will emerge victorious. And that's what you're talking about there. If you know what motivates somebody, then you know how to show up with them. If you know... Well, to your point, if they want recognition or if they want time off or if they want whatever it is that motivates them, then that's what you provide instead of uh, a single carrot, which though inherent in all of that, what you're really saying to me is that you have to adapt and change to your, to your group there. 
And I just wonder how much adapting and change our listener is doing, the, the one that asked the question. Because the only way you would be exhausted is if, and, and I could be wrong, but, but the, I feel like you would be exhausted if you resisted that change because it's actually water going downhill if you just figure out what made everybody tick. It makes your life easier, so less resistance and it's therefore easier. But if you're trying to push your boulder uphill and enforce your beliefs and your values on them and get them to change, then it is very, very exhausting again because now you're overcoming inertia. Yeah, and that, and that, that's true. And I mean, listen, we all know code environment, like you said, with the Budweiser example, it's thrown a wrench in a lot of things. And we, we've we called it at our shop, we, re- we refer to it as the COVID tax. And it seems like we're still paying that or still trying to, to mitigate that. But even, even though we're, we're leaders, we, we're still real people, right? So we're still facing the challenges maybe at home with daycare, with spouses losing jobs, with rent going, all these other real life things. But leading the team is critically important. And we have to, we have to really pay attention. And I'd ask the listener this, what behavior are you modeling? You know, because everyone is going to look at the leader and, and take the hint from them. So if she maybe is, is showing up and expressing that she's defeated or expressing that, oh, you know, oh, exasperated all the time. You always need to be the cheerleader. You always, that's your job as a leader is to always motivate. And, and maybe, maybe you need to seek out some help and a mentor and some, and some coaching on your own to, to fill your cup because you can't pour from an empty cup. I mean, I think that's on a Laffy Taffy, but <laughs> you know, you, you, if you, you have to ask yourself, what behavior am I modeling? Because if you're being that way, then chances are your team is just you know, a reflection of you. No, that, that's an excellent point because thinking of those behaviors, and it was called out specifically with the different classifications there or, or, or type. I mean, to your point, are, are they reinforcing those stereotypes? Are they reinforcing that division? You know, one of the things, you know, I'm big on is inclusion. So instead of seeing the multiple generations or the multiple genders or, or whatever else was in the question as a problem, have they seen it as a opportunity? I mean, where else, to your point, if you were managing a group of 30-year-old women, then your entire viewpoint is on 30-year-old, what what happens the minute you're no longer working with that, then your world changes. But here, you've got the benefit of having a diverse set of opinions. So how are you ingesting those 30, those diverse viewpoints into your decision-making, into into whatever t- uh, challenge you're tackling or, or, or even your meetings or whatever it is. That's what needs to be um, addressed is how do you benefit from ingesting so much because every one of those viewpoints and every one of those perspectives, they're, they're, they're valid, they're important. Whether or not you act on it, it, it's a data point. And maybe it is a bad idea. I mean, I'll be the first to say that you know, if somebody comes to me with a bad idea, I mean, I probably should admit this, but I'll say that's a bad idea. But but to them, it's important. And it is an idea. So so at least evaluate it and give them a good reason why it's a bad idea. I mean, if it's a bad idea, numerate it and, and have data to support that it's a bad idea. And, and as opposed to, I just don't like it because I don't like that color. Then there's no, there's no value in that. I'm, I'm uh, so glad. Go ahead. Well, no, I'm just saying, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, though, that somebody said there's no such thing as a stupid question. I've heard plenty of them. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, I'm glad yeah. you, I'm over here cracking up laughing. That's why you can't hear me. But when you said you literally tell people that's a, that's a bad idea, I'm glad that you that you clarified that because well, I talk about crush a dream, but I'm, I'm glad you explained it. I'm glad you talked about getting some context around that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Go ahead, I interrupted your point. I interrupted your point. Well, my, my point there was just instead of framing the negatives and, and looking at, at the at the at the worst case, I mean, celebrate the fact that you have that much diversity, and then figure out how to get back to our Myers Briggs or our assessments or our, our Cliff and Strength and figure out how do you create a common language, how do you create make, create commonality? Because at the end of the day, even though the perspectives are different, I have to believe that if they're all on the same team, they're still moving towards the same goal, which is the advancing the business or advancing the department. And if they're not, then it's a whole different conversation. It's not leadership experiment, it's HR 101 at that point. So if it's a matter of everybody's heart's in the right place, then, then your job as the leader is to create the environment and the language that lets everybody bring their hearts to the table so that you could move together cohesively and inclusively. So to, to, to make that practical, I would say when, when she's saying, how can I help my team stay motivated? I would ask, are you still doing things? You'd mentioned this. Are you still doing things the way you did them pre-COVID? What are your meetings like? The frequency? I mean, try not to, try not to create an environment and an effort to try to be supportive that you're just inundating them with interruptions or not allowing them to continue to do their work because they're remote and we're maybe now you know, inching into the micromanaging instead of allowing people to be and have an entrepreneurial spirit in their work. So we have to think about those things too. But I, I, I think there's something to be said about being vulnerable with your team, sitting down and saying, listen, guys, this is a great team. We really work well together, but I am sensing that we have some, some hiccups, you know, in our work or how we're approaching or how we're showing up. What can we do better to support each other? What would be helpful for you? And ask the question and then zip it and let people say what's going to, what's going to be meaningful for them, because we can't assume that we know. That, that I agree with, because now that that's a, that's a tactic towards moving towards that inclusivity, you know, and it's exactly, I mean, being vulnerable, but you're inviting everybody in, you're inviting them to, to speak. And again, just bringing it back, like you said, I mean, going back to our friend uh, Zarkov there, I mean, you and I might want to celebrate from champagne. He wants his Bud Light. So that wasn't a motivator. Let me tell you something. You make an, ex- you make an, uh, an excellent point because one time years ago with my teams, I, 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 because sometimes people, you know, get a little shy when you ask them, Years ago, I literally handed out this document that talked about, and you can produce it for our listeners who who are interested in, this is a very simple approach. I literally printed out a document that talked about recognition. How do you like to be recognized? And it had a bunch of options. Like if if it's something to eat, what is that? What's your favorite, you know, guilty pleasure when it comes to, you know, chocolate or something like that, or lunch out, or how do you, how do you like to be recognized? You'd be surprised that we always think that standing people up in front of a staff meeting or whatever that that's what people want. Yeah, Some people are terrible. They don't want to be standing out there. You know what that reminds me of? One of my guilty pleasures is a below deck. I, I don't know if we've talked about that show, but but it is a guilty pleasure. Have you have we talked about below deck? I think you mentioned it, but it's a boat show, right? It's something about um, yeah. There there are these super yachts, and you kind of follow the 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 crew. 
and they're in these exotic locations and there's all kinds of adventures that happen, obviously, because it's a reality drama show. So guilty pleasure for sure. But one of the things that they do there before the, the charter guests come on board and there's a name for it that they use, I don't remember, but basically it's a, it's a guest preference sheet. So they sit down, the, the captain, the chief stew and the chef, they sit down and say, these are the people coming on. This is what they say they like. This is what they don't like. And this is what they expect. And, and it's got the guest preference sheet for everybody that came on. It sounds exactly like what you're talking about. And that's how they tailor the experience. You know, it, it's not a fast food menu where every meal you, you pick from, you know, the same prefix menu. It's, it's catered towards the experience that, the get, that those charter guests are, are quite honestly paying for. I think they pay for it. I don't know how those shows work anymore. But, Probably don't pay for it. Probably don't pay for it. Uh, <laughs> But but for you now, I mean, yeah, if you're doing something like that with your team, how amazing is that? If you know that this person wants recognition, this person wants a gift card. I mean, it starts to really start moving towards personalizing inclusivity, whatever you want to call it. To me, I think that's just pure relationship. That's getting to know your people. Exactly. 100%. And I think you hit the nail on the head, Royce. And I think we should just close this question with that. You, you summed it up in one sentence. Get to know your people. Do not try to make assumptions on what you think might work. Do not suffer in silence. This person is exhausted. So you really have to just analyze all of those things and bring it to the team and talk about it collectively. And honestly, that's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. If your people see that you're asking them what they want, that's a slow clap for me. I just feel like that's the way to go. All right, Mia, here's another question for our happy hour episode of the Leadership Experiment. So the question is this, I've been working at my organization for five years and recently got a new colleague on the team. They are a really nice person, but when it comes to work, we disagree on everything. Shouting, for those of you that don't know what shouting is, all caps, everything. <laughs> it's frustrating and the roadblocks uh, they present are impacting our production. How do you, Mia, handle someone that makes you want to quit? Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Makes you want to quit. Okay. So that's the reason for the all caps and we disagree on everything. Okay. So, all right. I would say this is a common occurrence, whether or not we like to admit it, we're probably talking about it around the dining room table when we get home. So this is a challenge, right? So they have been there for five years. So have got, got a little bit of time under the belt there at this organization, but it's a new colleague. I like the way they say that uh, they're a nice person when it comes to work, they disagree on everything. All right. So they say that they're a nice person. That's, that's good. I think it's important to be able to separate and not make things personal. I think that's a, that's a good thing, but they say it's frustrating and the roadblocks uh, that they present are impacting production. All right. So clearly this tells me Royce, there is a lack of focus. There's a lack of focus, uh, maybe in the organization, in the business unit. I'm not quite sure where this person is in their organization, but my first piece of advice would be to agree on a common goal, agree on a common goal. I use this example all the time uh, with my teams. And that is, uh, I use this illustration that it's like, we both know we're going on vacation, but you are packing for the beach and I am packing to go skiing in the mountains. So we both understand we're working toward a goal, which is vacation, but we are on completely two different paths. 
And that's often what happens in the workplace is that we see our own truths from our own perspectives and our own teams. And without clarity of focus and understanding what the ultimate goal is of the organization, the strategic plan, or if this is just a business unit, let's say it's a, let's say it's a marketing department. What is the overall focus of the department? Look at the greater goals and see what is the work to be done and how do we move that needle collectively? So you have to just, you're going to have to start with that is sit down and have a conversation about what is it that we're trying to accomplish and then build your roadmap based on the pieces of information you already have at the organization, your core values, your service level agreements, service standards, all of those pieces of information that we sit around and, you know, spend days at planning sessions, figure it out. Uh, they come in handy when it comes to the friction points um, in the overall operation. So I would say, number one, agree on a common goal first. What, what would you say right off the bat, having read that for the first time? Yeah, I think you touch on a lot of good good points, and I think uh, lack of focus could definitely be be one of the causes of. And I think um, what you laundry listed or, or or framed, I think, are good things to definitely explore and move down. My my head goes slightly differently because if you disagree on everything, th- then I think my question is that's great because you and I can disagree on you know personal preference. Depending on what they disagree on, I mean, and I guess sometimes that's the, the the context is hard, but let's just, for the sake of framing it, let's say they're talking about a tactic. We should make emails versus telephone calls, just simple tactic. Okay. So, so replace that with whatever you want it to be. So that's something you disagree on. And that might be, they, she said everything or they said everything. So, so maybe that isn't everything. So, so take it back to a tactic. Well, we could subjectively argue you and I which is better all day, but, but the only way to win that argument is to move it objectively. So start pulling out the data and, yes. and figure out what you're solving for and, and, and then define better. I mean, what are you looking at? You know, sold product. Are you looking at booked appointments? Are you looking at, you know, response rates? I mean, so, so figure out whatever it is, but qualitatively or quantitatively, sorry, quantitatively break down what the disagreements are. And if it gets to a point where I just don't like it, well, that does, that's not helpful. Or I think we should do this. Well, why do you think that? I mean, what, one of the things that I definitely make it a point to is I, I only decision make quantitatively to, to the extent that I can. And I think we've used this example. I mean, and again, I'll be the first to say there's sometimes you don't know until you try it. And I use that example when I lane split, you know, sometimes I, I sit there and I'm not quantitatively saying taking out my tape measure and know the exact distance between my mirrors and my handlebar and the width of the lane, you know, and sometimes I will say, you know, I don't know if I'm going to fit, but I guess there's only one way to find out. And most of the time I fit. Most of the time. time, Okay. (laughs) Most Uh, most of the time. Those yeah, odds, Royce. Yeah. Those odds. I, have, I don't know. I have about a that. distinction of yeah. I'll never live it down because I did manage to take out two mirrors simultaneously, and sometimes I've backed off, and I realized that oh no, I am really not going to fit, and so I've had to back off and uh, and wait for a better opening. But but what I did there, besides choices, decision making, but I moved it to the quantitative. So at that point, I failed. And I knew that, no, I did not fit. 
or, or I saw that I no longer was going to fit quantitatively because the space was shrinking and my handlebars were too wide or my mirrors were too wide, but it moved out of the subjective and it made out, moved out of theoretical. So now if you're disagreeing on everything and you can't win it, then why not just put it all to the test? I mean, if you disagree on a color, run two versions of it and see, and see which way gets better response and move it out of subjective arguments and move it over into, into qualitative arguments or, or objective arguments. Here's something else to think about is when they say that we disagree on everything, I will agree with you on the point that you just made about that's great. Oftentimes we say, oh my goodness, we disagree on everything that it's a bad thing. It's actually a great thing because what if we agreed on every single thing? What are we going to come up with? A suboptimal product or idea at best, because we need somebody to push back, play devil's advocate, point, oh, counterpoint. You need that. Yeah, and what, we what disagree. I heard on, one of the things I heard on that, Mia, yeah, we disagree. I, I prefer it when we disagree. I have more fun. We, we, you know <laughs> what? It's, it's, it's so much better. It's more lively. Right. Okay. So what, well, what, what's your how much more okay. funny thing though is, hey, hey, I mean, I don't know how long our podcast would be if we actually agreed with something. Cause then we say that's your idea. That I'd have nothing else to say, but but uh, I got this out of a book, and I think it's absolutely hilarious that it's true. But have you ever noticed you judge the intelligence of someone else by how much they agree with you? Think about no, that. no. Let me tell. I disagree with yeah. that. I I absolutely uh, disagree. I, I, I absolutely think that that's hilarious. Um, maybe that's just me. I disagree, um. though. I disagree because I remember when you and I first met years ago. I was like. You know, I thought that you were extremely intelligent, but we disagreed a lot. We disagreed a lot, but I love the fact that we would disagree across the boardroom table, but I still respected your opinion. I thought that um, you had an interesting take and I learned from it. And so I, I, the fact that we disagreed a lot made me appreciate you even more, but that's what I'm getting to with this person. When they say they disagree about everything, this is an opportunity for you to sort of take the blinders off and not have the myopic thinking and consider that maybe there's a different perspective other than your own. This is an opportunity for you to learn. Ask this question. Can you help me understand blah, 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 or help me appreciate why blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's a way to allow to keep, allow people to keep their dignity and still disagree and learn something. I think we have to open our mind a little bit when we have someone else with a different opinion or mindset or goal and just talk about it and understand. And then where can we land on common ground that aligns with everything else that's happening in the organization? Absolutely. One last thing though, Royce, on that. This is, this is something else to think about. I would challenge the listener. How are you part of the problem? So we're saying, or this person is saying, you know, that this new person comes on board and they're the problem, they're the problem, it's frustrating and I want to quit. Maybe sit down for a moment and self-reflect and think, how am I part of the problem? Not, don't think, what can I do to fix this? Or this is what I want to do to fix it. Reflect and say, what, what am I doing to contribute to that friction in the moment? And I think that's an, an, an important question that we oftentimes don't ask. So I would encourage that person to do that as well. Absolutely. That's leadership experiment one-on-one because the question there ends up being, well, why are you disagreeing with them? Are you trying to keep the status quo? Are you trying to enforce? Are you not open to, to bigger ideas? Are you not open to change? Or are you like our other listener, exhausted because you're tired of fighting? 
Yeah, that, that that's absolutely the the point that that needs to be addressed 100%. I love it. Well, Royce, I think that about sums it up. I think that just about covers all the feedback that we have for our two listeners today. And you know, we keep forgetting to tell people if they have a question or a scenario that they just want our insights on over a cocktail, then send in your situation to happy hour at royceandmia.com. And it's also a good time to tell our listeners that, you know, the advice, the jokes, the whatever else we present here are not the opinion of our employer, but those opinions are our own here on the leadership experiment. All right, Royce, until next time, what do we do? I thought we had an outro for all that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the leadership experiment with Royce and Mia. If you enjoyed this episode and know somebody that might like it, send it on. And if you didn't but want to punish your friends, send it anyway. And for a change of pace, join us for our Friday happy hour question and answer show where we pour a cocktail and answer your most burning questions. If you'd like to pick our brains, Royce, that's gross. (laughs) Simply email us at happyhour at royceandmia.com. Names will be changed to protect the guilty. Until next time. Keep the shiny side up.